Yeah, learning continues, friends. This is not a one and done type of journey. This is not like, oh, Hannah is fully healed and she's living her best life and she's never learning lessons about herself anymore because she really had that like two to three year period where she solved all those things. No, you're constantly triggered and you are triggered even more as you grow and develop in this work. That's why the work before is so important because it's not about renouncing those things and, and pretending like they don't exist anymore. It's about knowing what they are, knowing what brings them up in you and figuring out, being able to quickly figure out what the solution could be. And we're breaking that down today because I had an experience this weekend. Of course I did, of course. And so we're going to talk about that because going after your dreams means you will be triggered more, not less, not less, right? <laughs> and so as those things come up, it is vital that we know what they are and how to combat them quickly so that we're not taking two or three weeks off like I was in the early beginning when I didn't realize what they were, how to fix them, and how to get back on the road. Like essentially every time that you're triggered, you have the potential to have a flat tire and you're going on a road trip, right? And so if you're triggered and you don't know what it is, it's a flat and you're out of commission until commission until a mechanic can come in right and this is where people usually sit because they bring in coach if they're trying to improve themselves they bring in coaches or they listen to podcasts or they read a book right but you're sitting out of commission for a while till you figure out how to fix that thing as we get better at this right we we want the situations where now we know how to change the tire and it takes us longer, but we know how to do that. We know how to fix this for ourselves. We're not out for a week until we can get it to a mechanic. We're like changing the tire and we're back on the road. So it's less and over time you get better. We, we want in best ideal, right? To not get a flat at all. Perfect. That's a wonderful world. However, we know this is going to happen. Eventually, if we go on enough road trips, we're eventually going to get a flat. So when <laughs> that happens, we want to be in this position of like, fix a flat, y'all. Right? Shh, I can shoot this in there. I can continue working. I can continue moving forward until we take a lunch break and we can get that right into a mechanic. They can flip that tire out or they can do a fix a flat situation and boom, we're back on the road. We're good to go. It, it slowed us down for a second, made us think, think, what was that, right? And, and how do I come back from that? Because I have a strategy. And then we're back on the road. That's what we want. Because in a perfect situation, sure, you're never triggered again. It never happens. You never have those same things come up. But in the real world, the more that you are challenging the devil, right? Like the more that you're going after things that expand your light, the more we know that that pressure is going to come on you. And we need you to be able to deliver in those moments too. We need you to be able to fix a flat and get on the road and fix it to perfection while you're having lunch somewhere. That's where we want to be. And so I'm breaking that down today. Not all of that that I just talked about, but being able to see those things, assess them and apply an effective solution quickly. Let's go. 
Hey, you're on this journey, on this season five vibe, and everything season five, as I'm forecasting what it will look like, is all about settling into the being, the knowing, transitioning from believing to knowing and fine-tune correcting what that looks like and just living. And we started out this show, you know, really thinking that this was going to happen overnight. And one of my greatest accomplishments of all of this will be just continuing on and showing an example, a real-life example of what it looks like to turn your life around. And so if you're just happening upon this show in season five, you should know there are four other seasons that have followed me on this journey this journey of turning my life around, this journey of finally getting to this place where I wasn't angry and spiteful and hateful and ego-driven. It really follows all of that. So you can go back to the start. What I will caution you is that it is unedited and pure and raw. And I was still very much in that ego hate phase of my life and it's all lived out loud and this whole journey has been lived out loud in truth so you will hear me venturing into businesses that if you follow the link that i am promising you will be there you will end up lost you are not going to get there just know that um but it's It's all about that journey. It was real. It was real right then. That business I was developing, that program, that course, that whatever, it was real and this is all real. This is me living my life out loud so we can all do our dreams. Welcome to the Death of a Dream podcast where we do dreams. That's what we do here. That's the subject matter. And so much of doing dreams is really dependent on a willingness to just continue moving forward. Even if you don't know what that is yet, even if you're not ready to start going after it yet, just slowly inching closer. And so my great thing from for today is because greatness grounding is a part of that slow, steady move ahead because we aren't just going to wake up tomorrow, have a couple post-it notes, change our eating habits and go, oh, I'm healed. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I know I set that goal to become an actress one day. I think today's the day I'm going to go after that. No, doesn't work like that. Kind of slow and steady wins the race here. And so many people are afraid of that. Well, What if it takes forever? Listen, you're going to spend your forever two, one of two ways. You're either going to spend forever thinking about how long forever is and why you can't do things, or you're going to spend your forever trying things and doing it regardless because forever is going to pass. And we can either talk about how that's taking forever or we can take forever to do whatever it is. And most things that come quickly and easily 
tend to have a life expectancy that's about the same. We don't want to hear that, right? Like, no, swear, get rich quick schemes last. Yeah. Do they? Because I haven't seen a great ending to any of that literal entire documentary on lottery winners and how the lottery ruins your life. Right? Because money only makes you more of what you already are. Money only makes you more of what you already are. So if you're miserable in your life, you will be more miserable. If you hate your life, you will hate it more. And you're like, no, I won't. If I had everything that I wanted, I would love my life. Nope. Nope. Because you'll just continue that cycle. You'll get what you want quickly and easily, and then you'll want more. Someone else will have something better than you. You'll continue to try one-upping yourself. It is a vicious cycle that does not last. So when I started on my journey, I was like, I want to be more of, of these things, but not what I already am. I didn't want to be more angry. I didn't want to be more spiteful. I didn't want to be more of any of those things. I wanted to be more generous. I wanted to be more happy. I wanted to be more of a light. I wanted to be more of an inspiration. I wanted to be more of all those things. I did not want to be more greedy. I already was. I did not want to be more spoiled. I did not want to access more for anything like other than that generosity piece, other than that, let's think about the little guy too. And, you know, coming from that place of being that obviously changes the perception, willingness, and ability to see how to help and see why it's important to help. And so that really is my call here for all the things. But really, at the end of the day, it's it's about slow and steady. It's about continual growth. It's about going after your dreams and, and taking chances and failing and falling. And that's why doing that in a smaller existence, right? Doing that in the little places that matter matters most. Because if you're willing to give it your all, even when you know that that's not all that you're going to accomplish, I think you will continue to be rewarded. And in my mind, if you're not willing to be responsible for what's right in front of you, then why would the universe bless you with more? Right? I mean, am I right? Am I right? Am I, am I right? Am I right? No, I'm right. Uh, and that was a big change for me in my mentality. Like, I always talk about changing the world. It's literally how we end every single show. And after I wrote my first book, it was like, what am I doing to change the world right outside of my door? How is this book going to help anyone 
that I wrote it for if I can't even get it in the hands of the people it's meant to help. Like this was for people with upbringings like mine. This was for people who had came from small existences. And if I couldn't talk to those people, then what was the point? You know, like big time influencers already know all of this stuff. This is meant to get in the hands of people who maybe haven't read a book. This podcast is meant to get into the ears of someone who probably has never listened to a podcast. Like this isn't, this is about taking care of what's it right outside your door. That's this work. And really that's the work of anyone going anywhere. And is that the more difficult work? For sure. That's the stuff that'll take you an entire lifetime to build, right? But slow and steady. And with all of this work, with with self-work, with intention, with understanding your intention and your drive, like with all of that comes this like ability to slow down get intentional. You're not going to stay in the slowdown forever, likely, depending on what you're planning on doing, but like slow down, get behind, get, get right with what it is that you want and where you want to go and what you want to be about. And, you know, I, I get closer every day, um, but it still isn't a perfect practice for me. This is a completely different environment and way of thinking than I ever had. I grew up in a get rich. If we were rich, everything would be better household. Um, and it just takes time to build your way out of that mentality, to build your way into creating something that lasts, into not running after trends, really into creation over consumption. And that's a tough shift. Probably one of the bigger shifts that we all have to make as we're going after our dreams. It's like eventually, that's who you become. Like, I used to spend a majority of my days just like looking for new things to buy and, and new things that were going to improve my life and change it for certain. And now, I don't know, if I'm having a really good year, I'm going to buy three new pairs of shoes four if it's a really good year the first pair of shoes is my shop shoe that's what i wear to work it is a sneaker but it's a little bit dressier the second pair of shoes i'm gonna have is a dressy pair of shoes it's usually something that i could see myself walking around all day in mostly for comfort but it's a little bit dressy the third shoe 
is a athletic sneaker that I can kind of wear to games and to all the things that I attend because we are very athletic driven and minded. And the fourth one is a boot, a winter boot. Those are the four shoes that I have. And when it's not a winter boot, it is a sandal. And that's it. Sometimes I add in, I have down in my basement, a dressy sandal. And I don't have a dressy boot. Uh, I just don't. So that's really my lineup of shoes. I tend to, with the dressier shoe, I've learned this, that like flats don't work because I'm probably going to be wearing the dressy shoe since I don't have a dressy boot. I'm going to be wearing the dressy shoe in a lot of winter situations because that's when I dress up most. And if I'm going to wear a dressy shoe in winter situations, I need something that can keep my feet out of the elements. Because what do we know about Miss Hannah Nuss more than anything? That she hates her feet being cold. So I have learned it needs to be a platformed dress shoe because elements, y'all. And I don't like my feet being wet or cold. So snow and rain do not mix period. So, um, yeah, but like back in the day I had a bazillion shoes, bazillion. That's right. Shoes are kind of my jam. And now that I'm here once a year, I, I like if I need to replace them, but listen, this is not like, Oh, I've worn this shoe three times over the course of this past year. No, this is daily wear. So typically they last about a year if I'm wearing them daily. Some of the shoes I'm not wearing daily, so they'll last a little bit longer. The winter boots typically last three to four years. My athletic sneakers, usually if I find one that I like, will last two years, two to three years. And then the daily wear, the dress shoe is like a two to three the daily wear is it needs to probably be switched out yearly. That's my life. Who has that? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but that's where I'm at because I'm not consuming the way that I was before. That used to be the one thing that excited me was like a package waiting for me when I came home or being able to go out and find the shoe that I needed for this specific outfit. And I'm just not there anymore. And I think that's a big shift in mental energy. I'm not consuming near as much as I once was. I'm creating. And when you're creating, consumption falls by the wayside. So I didn't actually do a great thing because we got off on talking about greatness and all the things. So go ahead and take time for yourself. Recognize yourself for your greatness. So I had a, a realization this weekend and it was a tough one to swallow because, you know, they usually are. But here's what I have begun to realize. In big spaces, I feel like it's necessary to fill the extra space. And I have gotten better at not 
having to show up to fill that space, AKA I'm okay sitting in some silence. However, that's when silence exists. I will still usually have to move my body there, but when silence does not exist, it's not something that's possible. And this happens a lot in gym atmospheres. I still struggle. I still struggle. And so the realization that I had this weekend was like, I am triggered by this environment instantly. And I did not grow up in a family environment where I was being pushed and I was being forced into this. My parents were actually very loving and accepting and they did not have the conversations um, that I heard from most of my friend's parents, which was like, your stats need to be this and you need to do this. My parents did not care about my stats. They did not care about anything other than me. What did my dad say? Play hard, have fun. Right? That's all that they really cared about. My dad would generally ask me how many people I six-packed back when I was in college. That was the stat that he was always looking for. Um, But in six-packs is when you hit a person in the face with a spike. But, uh, But other than that, there weren't really toxic conversations. So it is pretty surprising that, right, this is a an atmosphere that kind of lights up my senses and gets me in this uncomfortable feeling of having to take up space. But I think the atmosphere is large and I'm used to being in these smaller environments and smaller environments are good for me because I have a little bit more control. And so, yeah, it's just like, whoa, this is triggering. And let's slow down and figure out why. Because I always know that I'm in this kind of trigger mode or fill space mode when I get a little bit of like heartburn from talking so much. And like that means that I am trying to fill space, that there is something that is making me uncomfortable. And sometimes it's not even the people, sometimes it's a situation, sometimes it's the environment, sometimes it's all of the above. But I, when I am trying to take up and fill space, it is usually because I am either triggered or not comfortable. And a gym, will always trigger me. And, you know, I was coached by some amazing coaches. I, I, I was so inspired by my coaches that I went back and got into coaching. Um, but I think I always questioned myself and my ability and that if I should be showing up for that and, I was always passionate and probably described as more passionate than most (laughs) Um, about a lot of things, but sports very specifically. And I wanted to go back and make an impact. And I, I wanted to do the work that my coaches did for me. I think I was very blessed in this life to have people who believed and bought into me early enough 
and saw potential in me and they really set me on a path to to go after things and I don't know where I would be without those individuals and so I think for those reasons that's why I got into coaching and I never really felt like you know even after I accomplished things I never felt like athletics was ingrained in me or like I deserved to be there and I don't in most things. I really am a hackish example of what a true entrepreneur should be. I was a hackish example of what a athlete should be. I I am obsessively studying everything all the time to be better and to feel more confident. But when I walk into those atmospheres, I am like instantly uncomfortable until I feel like I've proven my worth. And I don't know what that looks like, you know, now that it's out of my control and I can't deliver and I can't do those things. I think it, triggers me even worse because I really am just at the mercy of someone else performing and it makes me uncomfortable and I can't kind of sit still. And I see this in my um, youngest who has trouble in these situations too. Can't sit still, can't, because I think as I processed this weekend, I think in environments that are bigger, where there is a lot of extra stimuli, where there is a lot going on, movement helps kind of refocus the body when there's too much stimuli coming in. And so for me, those environments were great when I was able to move and not think. Those environments were terrifying and terrible when I couldn't move, when I was forced to think. And when I had to think, I had to talk and talk it out and, and blah, blah, blah. And usually that looked very disruptive and it looked like maybe a disrespectful teammate to a coach or to someone who didn't understand that. Um, but it wasn't, I think it's just like in those environments, when my body was not put to use, when I could not move, I struggled. And when I, um, the first time that I ever had to share some playing time was in college. I didn't get to play all the way around. So I would get subbed in for three rotations so someone could play my back row. And that totally makes sense. You're playing at a higher level. I was blessed to play all the way around through high school. And I was not in a position to do that in college. And so I that was at the start of me realizing that like, Movement is very important in these environments because it helps to focus me. And so I didn't look like most people who would just kind of sit there 
and do nothing with my time on the bench. Like I was the one that was leading the cheers and I was the one that like sprinted in when I got to go back in. And I was the one that was constantly kind of moving and chattering and keeping myself involved and not because I was the greatest teammate ever, because that was how I coped with not being able to all of the extra stimuli created a lot of extra energy in my body because I'm very empathetic and, and I take on energies of the room. And so there's angry energies and there's, there's competitive energies and there's like happy energies and there's, uh, inspired energies and there's every single energy in the room that could ever exist. And I'm trying to navigate and pick up on all of them. And I'm not capable of doing that because the arena is too big and there's too many people and none of the people are on the same page, right? Like, this coach has a very negative energy and, and this ref is kind of bouncing back and forth as to whether or not this is a good game. And, and this coach has a very easy and understanding and teaching energy. And this player has a competitive, angry energy. And this player has a, you know, like <laughs> aggressive energy. And this player has this like belief energy and I'm sifting through all of that data all of the time when I'm sitting there watching a game and it would be great to just watch a game like a normal human being and be like, ah, oh, yep, they made a point. Way to go. But I'm like, oh my gosh, they made a point and, and they made a point. Did they feel excited about that? Or was it, was that just okay? Why aren't they more excited? Are they feeling, you know, sad because they missed their last three, but they kept shooting. And then I start analyzing like, wow, they kept shooting. That's so inspirational, like a willingness to continue trying, even after you've had a lack of what we would call success. Right. But to me, like the success is the willingness to keep shooting. The success is a team that is shooting. If that's the goal. Right. And then I'm trying to figure out, well, what is the goal? What are they trying to go after? Are they trying to structure and set up right an offense or are they trying to score? And I don't know, like, what is the strategy? What are we trying to do here? What is the end goal? And when I don't have those answers, then my mind continues to obsess and drive after figuring out those answers and analyzing all of those things. And certainly I should just be a normal human being and sit quietly and clap once in a while when they score. But I am taking in way too much stimuli for me to be sitting still and not having an outlet for all of this extra energy that I am trying to interpret in real time. And so now maybe we have a better understanding of what it's like to be an empath in over extending environments. And this is why typically I will like try to be by someone that I know has a calm, um, energy because I know that I'm going to be overwhelmed. And I wouldn't even say calm. I would say an energy that I can easily read and understand. Like I know what they're about when they're at these things. And it's all the things that I'm about and want to be about when I'm at these things. And I know that I will try to analyze and act appropriately to whosoever energy is kind of winning out. 
And so I want to be by the energy that I, I know is true to who I want to be. And like distance myself from energies that I don't want to be. Because I will take on whichever one wins out. I will. Wherever the mass majority energy is, that's where I'm going to go. And I don't want to be that. So I want to be by the energies that I want to be. And if I'm with someone who is equally overwhelmed in this environment, it's going to get loud because we are both going to be trying to fill the space appropriately and it will be instantly overwhelming. And I will, if I can't calm or steady myself, I will struggle and I will kind of be spinning. And it's best if I can move. I always stood up when I was coaching because sitting did not fit. It's not because I am crazy or aggressive or way too actively involved. It's just because that allows me to exert some energy. And I am going to have all of the energies in this moment. I absolutely will. I am constantly overwhelmed in these environments. I am way too empathetic to not pick, try to pick up on everyone's feelings. And I wish that I could turn that off, but I can't. And in environments like that, even if I'm just like watching my kid play this sport, I am constantly trying to analyze and figure this out. And I have no idea why, but I cannot turn it off. And so maybe this is where Hannah comes in and coaches. So she's not disruptive with her energy. In these environments, maybe this is where Hannah becomes the walking parent in these environments, you know, like finding better ways for me to take care of my energy in these environments is probably better. And not only me, but also my youngest who struggles in these environments because of this heightened sense of empathy. And I don't want her to feel overwhelmed. And I can see that she's overwhelmed. What do I do with this energy? This is a big, all of the energy is pouring into me. And I could probably do a better job of protecting myself when I go into those places. And so these are all of the things, right? This is why you're constantly understanding and analyzing how you're showing up and knowing how you want to show up. Most importantly, I don't want to be the angry, spiteful, hateful, overly competitive parent. I just don't because I work in a world where collaboration is king and learning how to work with everyone and build everyone around you. Not that you can't continue getting better, but you getting better does nothing for anyone. If you haven't made an environment where everyone can get better. And you don't remember the awards that you won. You remember the awards that you won with your team. Great. We, we win awards. That's all great. But you remember the ones that you won with your team because that's what it's all about. And that's what it's always about for the rest of your life. And so I'm trying to figure out, you know, how to continue fixing myself, how to continue helping other people, how to continue focusing on the things that overwhelm me. And I do a lot of research and learning about 
these things like sports psychology and, and positive coaching and all of these things. Like, this is not just stuff that I'm making up and thinking about. I'm like overanalyzing it and even learning on the side because I, I didn't have that. And I want to be able to provide that not only for myself to help control me, but to also build better humans who are going to be working in this world. As always, you're smart, you're strong, you're beautiful. What are you going to do? Change the world. Hey, I've enjoyed spending time with you and I cannot thank you enough for making what I do possible. If you want to continue to support the show and therefore continue the development of everything that we're doing here with the death of a dream and the development of local and all of the platforms that allow dreamers to do, you can go ahead and connect with us on socials at local shop space and connect with me on socials at Hannah Nuss. And I would love to see you there. Go ahead and check out all of our websites and everything that we do here. I would love you to do all of that, to like, share, and and comment on everything that we're doing. But bottom line, I, I just want you to do your dreams. And as long as you're going after the things that set your heart on fire, that's all that really matters. Change the world.